0: There are no monsters, no real ones, but there are, there are, there are, there are. there are. Yes, there are.
1: Nightmare's podcast. We are sociologists who talk horror. My name is Marshall Smith and my co-host is Laura Patterson who had to step out before we are doing this introduction. Laura and I went to graduate school together and now both have our PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado Boulder. So we have guests. I I don't know how to introduce you all. They're, They're former students. They're in my sociology of horror class and they were kind enough to be willing to join us for the discussion. And so, I'm going to turn it over to them and introduce themselves.
2: Hi, my name is Sophie. I am a sophomore at CU Boulder. This will be my second semester as one of Marshall's students. This semester, I'm taking Sociology of work. and... Hi, I'm Keenan. Um, I'm also a
3: sophomore at CU Boulder. And this is also my second class that I'm taking of Marshall's. And I am a Sociology minor. You can find me on Instagram at Kenan Rask.
4: Do you want to spell that?
3: Oh, that is A N R A S K.
1: This episode is a little bit different because we recorded in two separate sessions. The first session we recorded with Aubrey and Andy and me by ourselves immediately after the film. And this session, we the second session we recorded uh, several days later with Laura and Sophie and Keenan, and hopefully... I have been able to edit the episode so that topics are together, but please keep in mind that this happened in two separate sessions, so we are not all in the same room at the same time, and if I've put conversation together, it's because it's related, but it's not necessarily all happening at one time, so there might still be some disjuncture or some repetition. We appreciate your forgiveness with that. For this part, we have spoilers for... A little bit for Human Centipede, Two, We have spoilers for the the film, Knives and Skin. We encourage you to watch it before you listen. Oh, you can find our entire backlog of episodes at CollectedNetmares.com. If you will like or subscribe or review us, we are available on Spotify and iTunes. All right. And with that, we're going to
4: dive into our discussion.
1: Did you all rewatch the film? No,
3: no, we just talked about that in the car.
1: Dang,
2: I didn't either. Well, let's just start with
1: your reactions.
2: I left the theater super confused. Me too. I thought it was thought it
3: was interesting, but I kept thinking that like the one part was gonna lead to a big aha moment. We kind of talked about how we didn't really have a moment where we felt like it was all wrapped up. So, I mean, I was pretty confused, too, but it was still interesting.
2: Yeah, I didn't think it was going to be that kind of movie at all. I thought it was going to be like a jump scare, super scary, but it was just super different. And it wasn't a movie I would normally pick out to go watch.
1: Even though you're a horror movie person?
2: Yeah, like, I like horror movies. I'm not a horror movie person. I wouldn't consider myself super into it, but I like them. I enjoy watching them.
1: Okay. You ready
2: to be the so, turd in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I I looked at a
5: tiny bit of information beforehand because I wanted to have some idea what I was possibly in for, oh, okay. and all I saw was teenagers. Somebody goes missing, and I saw a picture that looked like some sort of teen drama thing. I was optimistically hoping for like Assassination Nation, but Love that movie. W- yeah. <laughs> and what I got instead was this hodgepodge of themes like there were interesting themes and there were things that i found to be like positive like oh cool it's going to be a movie about that but the actual narrative structure completely disappeared i feel like it was it was barely there for like the first half of the movie and then it just fizzled out into nothing and i got so oppressively bored like i just could not stand it so bored and but at the same time it was beautiful and it was like it felt very much like somebody's baby like somebody loved this and somebody crafted every little thing with such care and some of it was effective. I mean, in the sense that it was beautiful, like the singing moments were sometimes really nice. But in terms of like overall impact, I felt empty. By the end, I was just, oh, God, please be over. I felt like it was supposed to end and it didn't end for like another half hour. And then I wasn't surprised at all when it was over and there was no actual resolution or real impact because I think I'd given up by then. So had you seen it, Marshall, before you suggested it? Or was this just new for everybody?
1: I had not seen it. It screened at C, And I had a couple folks come into the bar and we're like, wow, after we saw that, we definitely need a drink. Mm-hmm. And I think they had said disturbing somehow. And I guess that was enough for me.
5: Disturbing and sounds better than, I feel like it was more depressing for me
1: than disturbing.
5: But I see how that would make you want to see it.
1: They had said like, oh, it's, it's dark and upsetting. Yeah. And so, yeah, not a jump scare. So I guess I at least had that impression. But that was, I mean, when people come in and talk, I cut them off. If, you know, if I'll go see it, I don't want to hear spoilers at all. I don't want to hear anything about them. You know, glad you enjoyed it or whatever. But I'm kind of leaning or leaving reaction to you, to, you all, because so four, five of us saw it together and Aubrey and Andy were able to record with me immediately after. So I've already done a processing of it. So I thought I would let you all do more of the lift until I'm happy to jump in, but because I've already done a round of processing, you know?
5: Okay. As lead in, I'm just super curious to ask you because the whole film had so many elements that were so closely tied to things that you've worked on artistically. And I kept thinking like, Oh, Marshall's onto something. Cause like he had that, he had that, he had that. But I feel like your screenplay certainly came together in a much more meaningful, impactful way than this did. So just overall catch me up in the, 90 second summary of your reaction were you on board like did you feel like you got it or did you feel like what i felt like there were just there were thematic elements that were interesting but basically it didn't come together
1: well that's a great question and then then we can talk about if i really liked it just because it like was (laughs) self-serving and i was like oh yeah those are similar to my ideas so of course i'm gonna like this how great or if it was actually there i enjoyed the film i thought it was interesting and different I was not oppressively bored. I, I was engaged throughout the film, and I definitely felt what you said was that this was somebody's baby. This is this was a loved film. I feel like there's a Silence of the Lambs quote in there.
4: I somebody grew this guy, fed him honey and nightshade, kept him warm. Somebody loved him.
1: And, I mean, that's my kind of movie. And so. For me, it, it, it was a film that told me that everything was in there for a reason. And then that tasked me with, okay, now let's go back and figure out exactly what everything was supposed to do and what it was supposed to mean. And that's what I love. That's totally what I love. That's absolutely the film that I love. And here we cut over to Andy and Aubrey so you can know who they are and start to recognize their voices. And this is how we'll do this throughout the episode. Through uh, that our first round of discussion. And even though it's like so bizarre, I, I bought into
4: it. And I kind of did too. I liked it a lot.
1: And the one talks about like movies as, as dreamlike. This was totally dreamlike.
4: I, I liked that. Yeah, I liked like the colors. mental. They even included mental illness quite a bit. But, yeah. but mania with the lion on the shirt and her sleeping on the tinfoil <laughs> <tenfoil> wrapped pillow. <laughs> Yeah. That made me laugh. Me too. They had nice. comedic relief, but it was purposeful in horror too. Because, like, the comedic relief was what? The porcelain dolls pulling out of the vagina that had a purpose for some reason. <laughs> there's a purpose. But when everything has a purpose, there's a lot more to analyze and look at. There to is. To find the purpose, which is cool. Yeah, and, I, and so nice I love it
1: that. Fun. It didn't come together like Get Out or Black Christmas, but. But I felt like it did come together, and I sort of appreciated it as a... My screenplay, I feel like, in Black Christmas and Get Out are all very direct. Here's where it's coming at, and I'm pointing back. And I felt like this was a, a response in the same way, like, my screenplay is trying to be. But it was a response that was like, here's the direct, and I'm going to respond with, like, a flower. Slasher films and patriarchal sexist films are shooting and i'm shooting back and black christmas is shooting back and this was like the hippie who puts the daisy in the rifle barrel instead of shoots back
5: i can see that i feel i'll say one thing in response to that and then i feel like we should open more up to what our guests here thought that's a very positive way of couching what i was going to say about (laughs) it which is that Okay, so it had all the same elements that like your screenplay had. And in contrast to your screenplay, it didn't come in with a message and I think exactly lay out what you were supposed to think and kind of narrate that for you. But at the same time, I think everyone was a metaphor. All of the characters were metaphors for an argument. But then it didn't really make that argument. And by not making the argument and also not being a more sort of fluid character study, which is something I would like. Throw in a bunch of real meaningful characters, throw these questions out there, and don't really be prescriptive. Don't answer it. Don't tell us where all the puzzle pieces go. That can still be a good film. I feel like it didn't do either, and that just made it a pile of boredom for me. Everybody was so representative of something and non-human at the same time, and so I just had nothing to grasp onto. Like Either give me the structure, even though that's not often my favorite kind of film. Like You're I mean, you know, like the way that you (laughs) approach your screenplay, which is like, here's my argument, I'm going to lay out every little piece and everybody's a component. Either do that or, yeah, give me some real meaningful characters, but nobody was compelling. Except I I liked the mom with the, the one with the tiger shirt. I thought she was hilarious she was the best character in the whole film I thought but aside from her who we d- only saw a little bit of I didn't really care about anyone everybody was so darn depressed throughout the entire film and then there wasn't like a clear message either so it's just like oh my gosh shoot me like how long do I have to watch this Damn, um, not to taint your reactions <laughs> so, what, what did you all they've think? they've already talked
1: too let me before we do that if you will permit me because I'm not going to remember this anyway but this might actually help so let's see. So Carolyn Harper is the person who's assaulted or, and goes missing throughout the film. Lisa is her mother. The father, who's the cop, who looks black anyway, is Doug. Those are the Darlingtons. His wife is Renee, who's pregnant. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. And Jesse is the son who throws mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Laurel is the daughter and then we have the Kitzmillers yes yeah, so we have the Kitzmillers Joanna is the girl who was like kind of friends with Carolyn in 7th grade right? her mother Lynn who's I thought it was a lion I think it was a lion I don't
2: know
0: I think it was a lion
2: because remember when it was talking and we talked about this after how like the lion represented courage, or something. With her, like speaking, yes. with it, speaking to her, getting her out of yeah, her pod. Yeah, yeah.
1: sure and then who's the mime? Is it her? Is it Kitzmiller's? Yes. Dan. Okay, so we've got the one family that's the mime, lion shirt, seventh grade friend, and older brother.
3: Yeah, older brother was Andy. Andy. He's the one who was with
1: Carolyn. Is he the? He's the assailant. The one that also hooks up with the mom. Yeah. Oh no way. He's her older brother. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, because. Joanna. Damn, I
5: totally missed that. Did I you did didn't. That? No, I didn't catch that either. But I had a super hard time telling anybody apart or caring who they were. Like <laughs> I was even <laughs> no, I was no. glazing over as you were reading off those names already.
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I thought it would be helpful.
5: No, I'm not saying it's not helpful. Oh, okay. I'm just saying I. This is similar to like when we walked into the wind, and you were just like. Oh, God, that was just awful. I can't stand it. And I somehow had the energy to try to start pulling out some themes and stuff. Yeah, I feel know. like we're, we're going to suffer here if, if you're not willing to throw out some themes. I'm going to suffer because I just was mentally exhausted by this film and didn't. Like I said, there were threads, but I feel like nothing came together no. for me.
1: So I'm upset that you compared this to The Wind. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God.
5: I was thinking during it, like, which was I more bored during? I don't know. Okay i'm
1: sorry <laughs> not, so let's yeah let's hear wait, so what did you all come up with you all had a list
3: yes we did i feel like going off of what you said about all the characters i feel like the only one that i actually kind of connected with and could follow is joanna and she's the one she'd sell lion shirts she'd sell her underwear i thought that was funny but
1: um, oh mom's underwear yeah yes. right okay and then
3: when i was going back thinking about like why i couldn't connect with all the characters. I was thinking about all the moms and they're all like collectively, I feel like the characters were kind of portrayed in little groups. Like all the moms were collectively really unstable. Joanna's mom with the wolf shirt, Carolyn's mom who ended up getting with Andy, and then the mom who faked her pregnancy. Like I thought that was kind of interesting how they're all portrayed as sort of unstable and all, all of their kids were kind of better off as they were. So I don't know. I don't know. I found it like they, all the moms were sending out one message while all the kids were sending out a different message. I couldn't really follow or connect with one character specifically. I mean, mostly Joanna, but that's what I kind of found hard. What message do you think the kids were sending out? That is a good question. I feel like that one scene where they're all sitting on the roof, kind of looking off to the highway or wherever else, I feel like they were, I feel like it had a lot to say about suburbs and all families in suburbia and all that and how they're kind of trying to get out of that lifestyle and try to get out of just reliving their parents' lives because obviously it did show their parents were not really in good shape. And I don't know if Carolyn had anything to do with that message. Maybe she already had gotten out of it, or... I did have a hard time figuring out. I found them all similar. The kids kind of all similar. The parents all similar. But I don't know really specifically what they were trying to say with that.
4: What did wait, you wait, think wait, about the like airplane like shots? Logic. Like, things kind yeah, of... Yeah, air was Yeah, like, when, together?
1: When, even, when, like, in the sense that a dream yes. does. Like, you... I... I'll wake up from a dream and I'll be
4: like... How did I get here, but it somehow it worked in my head. Right. It makes it sense. Time. It yeah. made so much that's sense, good. but I have no idea how. And that's, all, that's awesome. That's in It's like being in somebody's dream. Yeah. 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 It's like it flows, there's purpose, there's a message. Oh. It's just like decoding that. I liked that I wasn't looking for a plot twist in this movie because it looked like we had gotten all the information and then the pregnancy did it for me, yeah. <laughs> the fake pregnancy. But the plane shot i was talking about is when um they were all standing on the roof and multiple times they showed like from the ground up looking and there's a plane in the background flying across the screen and all of them are looking out as well mm-hmm. i don't have more to that other than like it was like
1: seeing the highway it was like there is some way yeah. to get out
4: yeah like, that's what I, thought. There, I was is a, there is there's a
1: larger world yeah. outside of all of this yeah cluster- they covering. mentioned
4: a bunch of times how they wanted to get out of that town
1: Right. And her whole thing, Joanna's whole thing, was, you know, Grinmar and Sarah Lawrence and all these colleges
4: that she's like, I have to, I gotta get out of here.
5: There seems to be a big theme of disconnection. certainly among everyone in the film. The parents, the children, like everyone.
2: At the beginning of the movie it showed... Carolyn's three friends walking together to school or something, and they were talking about how they were all in a band together and how Carolyn hadn't been a band practice. Or okay, they were in the band. Okay, whatever. Um, they were all in the band, and it showed them all together walking in the beginning. And I assumed that the whole movie would be like them three together trying to solve this, but they weren't shown together again. I don't think until they were in front of Carolyn's mom, like bringing her food and like singing to her. And so it was kind of weird having, I feel like they all just like had their different parts in the movie when in the beginning, I thought it would be all three of them together because they were all like shown together like supposed to be Carolyn's like squad. That was interesting. Yeah. We talked about
3: earlier how all of them, you kind of saw during the assembly, they're like, oh, well, I didn't really know her. Like I was friends with her in middle school. But then, like you said at the end, um, When they all went to bring the mom food, I thought that was also interesting because when they were in their choir, it seemed like they did not care about her at all. They were kind of making fun of her as they were all singing and whispering to each other. Mm -hmm. But we also thought that scene was interesting because you could see that they weren't actually saying the words that they put as the caption. You could see them still singing the song, but not actually whispering the sentences that it said in the caption.
2: So I'm not sure what that... And it was right in front of her mom, who was the choir leader, Mm -hmm. and they were talking about her daughter and the whole situation right in front of her face. Yeah,
3: it seemed like super insensitive
2: for them to then, at the end, be bringing
3: her food and comforting her. Mm -hmm. That just seemed like a total different relationship. So I think
1: you all are on the right track, because how I was taught to start working into a film is exactly what you were doing, Keenan, which is... Find characters that are on a continuum and look at what's specific about each of those characters. So in this case, it'd be the mothers. So if we run through that, Carolyn's mother is... So Lisa is disconnected from her daughter, and then her daughter is sexually assaulted and then goes missing. And we find out is dead. We have Lynn Kitzmiller, who has had some sort of mental concern issue going on and so she really can't engage with her daughter okay so she's she's lion shirt right or wolf shirt or whatever it is um and then we've got who's the other main family the darlingtons Uh oh okay and then we've got renee who throughout the film fakes pregnancy even though she has two kids but she's disconnected from her kids too because because why they resent the baby because it was very early on. They're like, somebody says something at that dinner table that's like, well, your baby sucks or <laughs> like <laughs> something bizarre that you would, for you to say to a family member. So we have three mothers who are primarily defined by their motherhood. One with a false pregnancy, one with a mental issue that is keeping her emotionally detached from her daughter, and one who has a daughter who is missing And then the question is, what does that tell us? Or what might we draw if that's a continuum? What might that tell us? Do we have any other mothers in the film? We have grandma.
5: (laughs) We have a lot of lack of parenting going on. Right. And I I don't think I'd even call it a continuum. It's just, it's like all points on like the cruddy disconnected end of the spectrum.
1: But those are very specific points.
5: Sure, but they're all in the same place. (laughs) Who's more disconnected? I don't know that that question applies, right? Everybody is, for different reasons, I guess. And also the one that was faking the pregnancy is having an affair with the clown dad. Right. Right. He seemed a little more present, I thought. I mean, he was there-ish, which was saying a lot compared to the other characters. I mean, I think I would put him less down the disconnected spectrum. I know he's not a mother, but as a parent figure.
3: Yes. Also, the cop dad. I thought he was totally normal, didn't Right. He never
1: really did anything
3: unexpected.
1: So, that, yeah, that would be another thing. You have a father who's a the black man who's a cop. And for me, what again, when I saw it in films, like, if you have a cop, that is the judicial system. If you have a teacher, that is the education system. The mime is obviously a very deliberate choice. You have a And so what do you have? You have a principal who's buying underwear from one of his students. You have a teacher who is trying to hook up with one of his students. You have a father cop who is trying to do the right thing, but in the meantime, his wife is faking a pregnancy and- Having an affair. Having an affair, thank you.
5: You have the, Carolyn's mother, who's a teacher as well, and also sort of whatever she's doing with one of her students, and just generally being non-present.
1: I guess we don't know if the teacher is not a father. Principal is not a father. Do we have any other men in the film? We have the greatness. And we have the wannabe boyfriend who's multiracial or black. Who's multiracial? The brother. Oh the football player. Right. But he that's they're not the same.
3: The mascot boy. Right, right,
5: the beaver. That's Jesse,
1: right? Yeah. Yeah,
5: right. (laughs) It was so on the nose for making no impact. That's what's so frustrating in all of this. If you throw out all those pieces, it's like clearly it had to come together to something. And it just didn't. But like, yeah, they're the beavers. And like, it was just, it was all there and not there at the same time.
3: Totally. Yeah, I don't know. Because I feel like it would have been more clear for me if the men were collectively totally stable, and the woman weren't, that would have been so much more of a clear message. But I don't know if they were trying to send a message just about the adults as a whole. I don't know, because they all kind of had their
1: own problem. Did they? Did the black cop have a problem?
2: He wasn't excited (sighs) for the baby.
1: (laughs) I'm not the person to split it. I'm like, yeah, I'm not excited either. But... (laughs) I understand that that's unacceptable, and uh,
2: does he actually make a comment? When she said, tell the baby you love it, he said you love it. Oh yeah. uh, Like, kind of sassy. Tell it you love it. You love it. And then, I think he was like trying to love the baby, because then when he was taking out the trash one time, he was like, Throwing it up, like, oh, I love you so much, yeah. and it just fell on the floor and completely just,
3: like, went all over the lawn. Yeah, I feel like they were kind of trying to show his problem through the mom faking her pregnancy, like, maybe she was trying to get him to be more present in a relationship or something, so she faked it, but I'm not sure. Because she said something to
5: someone at some point about him, and they said, oh, you you love him, don't you? And she said, yes, but I don't know if he loves me, or, like, there was some component of yeah like she wanted some kind of connection from him or something
2: was Jesse gay ish so then both of her kids were because she had the daughter who was the lesbian oh, yeah. right oh, yeah. so maybe she wanted a baby that wasn't like that and she's trying like she felt disconnected from her family
1: but we don't have any indication that she was had problems with them being gay do we? No.
3: Yeah, I feel like she was, I mean, when she picked up her daughter from hanging out with her girlfriend, they were really, like, open
1: about the relationship, but. Yeah, there was a very pointed, either they kiss or they hold hands or something. Yeah, they were, like, holding hands was, as like, they were walking back. In front of mom. Yeah. Mom's saying this and doesn't, it's, like, not an issue. And she also is super drunk and not really
3: paying attention. She's, yeah. like, crying. And they did get into a, f- that's when they got into the fight, right after that scene. But I wasn't sure if the fight was about if they were if she was drunk and she was asking her to drive home.
2: Yeah. I think
3: that's what it was about.
1: What what else is on your list? I, I would this I will say that so for me, and this is what I like, is um from the beginning to the end of the film, all of those are signposts that this is clearly meant to make a commentary about gender and sexuality. Yes, I will and those were the fundamental themes of the film. So we at least have
5: I will 100% stand behind as a, that. As
1: opposed to the wind, for example, that <laughs> <laughs> had like a little receipt in the trash in the corner. And I, All right, you, you, you're
5: right. You're right. You're right. Will, I will give you that for sure. But I don't know if it makes it better or worse or if it matters when all those signposts are there and yet no message, there's no compelling message at the end and I was oppressively bored. I feel like the combination of those two things, it's like, well, okay, so you, you know, you set out to do something notable and and worthwhile and then just didn't execute.
3: Were you all bored? I feel like I was mostly bored in the middle because I was hoping for something at the beginning and then maybe hoping for resolution again at the end, but in the middle I was just a little bit confused and I wasn't. Focusing on one side of the story, so it was kind of hard to, you know, be connected in the middle.
2: I don't think I ever got bored because in class we talked about how something, like everything means something. So I think I was trying really hard to focus the whole time on like trying to connect everything. And I was just shocked when it ended because I was just, didn't connect it in my head. So you didn't get payoff either? No, I was just like trying to put it all together the whole time and trying to pick up on everything. And then it just ended.
1: It was an odd end. What happens at the end? They find Carolyn. The three girls show up and bring mom food.
3: There was sort of like a resolution for everyone's relationships. Because then the cheerleader, whose daughter was that? Um, Renee's daughter with her girlfriend. They kind of had that whole bathroom scene. And then... Laurel? Yes. Yes. I feel like they kind of had a resolution with their relationship,
2: and then like the friends kind of got back together at the end. And the parents too. Renee and her husband got in that fight, and he ended up leaving, and she became more stable at the end. I think.
5: I agree with you. There was like there was more connection and more, I don't yeah stability in their relationships a little bit at the end. That did seem to be a change. I don't know what it was there for, or what it could have meant.
3: She gives uh,
1: Joanna a manicure. Yeah.
2: Yeah. One question we had too was about the tape. <laughs> yeah, the tape. Yeah, what else do you have? I,
1: I, I think we, we have... like to do that, right? We get everything out on the table and then we kind of sort through. Yeah,
2: yeah.
3: We, wanna... we um, have a very long list. I have a few of those too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so the tape, I thought, I really thought that that was going to be the aha moment for me. They were going to play it or show you the Yeah, because they kept, something. who like passed it back and forth between each other?
2: First, Jesse gave it to the white girl, the friend, and then she gave it to Renee, her mom. Or no, her name. Her mom is. Um, no, her leg. dad gave it to my man. Gave yeah. it to. Oh yeah. Joanna. Is Joanna her name?
1: I guess the one who sold the oh, underwear. Yes.
2: Yeah. Nice. yeah. Okay. A- yeah.
1: Joanna, the underwear seller.
2: What did Jesse give Joanna at the football game?
1: He gave her a tape too. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I thought it was the same tape, but that oh. didn't
5: make any sense. Yeah, I was.
1: That I,
2: that is one thing I was.
1: I think the understand. dad
2: gave Joanne the tape recorder so she could listen to it. Or was there also a tape in that gift?
3: I think
5: there was a tape. Yeah,
2: no, because okay. he gave her a tape, and then she was like, "Well, I don't have a tape recorder to listen to."
1: And he was like, oh. oh. Yeah.
3: I also thought that it was going to be a realization for Joanna of how. So, Joanna's dad is the mime. I thought that somehow, like, the tape was going to go from Renee to Joanna or to the dad, so then Joanna would know that her dad was hooking up with Renee. That's kind of what I thought it was, but I don't think it ever went to... I don't think the
2: tape ever went to Renee.
1: No, I don't think it did either. And it was originally a tape for her, yeah? Or Joanna? The tape was originally made by the mime to give to Renee when they were, like... Young, Younger? No, no, no. It was uh, Wolf, Bear, Lion Shirt. Lynn. Lynn. And she was married to the mime. Mm-hmm. Right, so he had made it for her, and he was like, your mom hasn't always been this way, which was said a couple of times. So he gives it to, to Joanna. Did, who, what'd you say his name was? We're just calling him mime. Whatever. Mime gives it to Joanna. He had originally made it for Lynn. Joanna then takes it and then the next time we see it, Jesse is giving it to, back to Joanna?
4: Yeah,
3: I feel like it ends with Joanna giving it back to Lynn. Yeah. So, okay. But I'm
2: not sure like how well she's getting the manicure.
1: Okay. My head hurts. I don't have good answers <laughs> for you on the tape, but let's, let's see what, I, what else do you what have. Else?
2: The
3: mom in the beginning with the knife.
5: Oh, God, yes. I right.
3: was so confused. Yeah, right at the beginning. Oh. Because it's like she knew she wasn't in her room because she was like, are you still not talking to me? Are you... Remember, she was asking those questions. Mm-hmm. But then I thought it was weird how Doug, the cop, when he was in Carolyn's room, she sort of just gave the knife to him or she just had it in her hand and it seemed very casual. Well, she was
2: taking out the hat. her van hat that he yeah. was giving her. She handed him the knife to hold Yeah, which I thought was so weird. Yeah. And even, yeah, before she went missing officially, it looked as if she was going to kill her daughter.
5: Which, yeah, totally, it fits with the title, and it's kind of a neat-looking opening, and and on the topic of whatever you said about like putting a flower back. All right, fine. We're just going to go with some imagery that sort of is roughly associated with what we're talking about. I was maybe willing to let that slide, but then when they're on the search team also, and they're like, if you find her or yell out, whatever it was, it was was the title of the movie, show me some skin. And what was it? I need a knife or whatever. That didn't make any sense. And I just,
1: if you find Carolyn, stay with her. If she's okay, yell, I need the knife as loudly as you can. If she's not okay, yell, give me some skin as loudly as you can. If you get lost or separated or just feel like you need some help, yell, girls just want to have fun. so weird. It
2: is so weird. <laughs> totally. It was like funny. Like, so yeah.
1: If it's going to be helpful, I-, I will jump in with what we kind of put together from earlier conversation.
3: It is also kind of weird how they're wearing the band hats. Yeah. Totally. And Andy's the only one who's not wearing one. I didn't notice that before.
5: At some point, it became way too expressionist of like, let's just throw the title around and use that to set some ambiance and nobody's going to act like it's weird because we're not actually living in reality and at the same time we're not even telling you what this is about so good luck finding (laughs) something to hang on to you know like I don't know I feel like the answer to all these questions are like I don't know they didn't resolve any of it they didn't I'm not saying that to shut down your questions I'm just I just kept having that reaction throughout the film at first I was I was almost willing to let that knife slide because it was like the first scene in the movie and like okay you just want to use a knife it's like knives are in the title, fine, pick a lock with the yeah. knife, whatever. But it just got ridiculous at some point. All of this imagery with no clear message whatever, whatsoever behind it.
1: I agree with you about, about a lot of the emotion from the opening of the film. Mm-hmm. I will say that the visuals were still almost completely like...
4: Yeah, they were pink. It was the pink lighting.
1: Well, it was somebody holding a knife. She held it like upside down, but still, whatever. It was
4: very psycho, actually. It she... was right,
1: and her like looking through the house. Either we don't know if she's yeah. on the offense or defense. If you just imagine that without sound, I mean, the classic riff on that is the opening of Halloween, right, where he's like holding the knife as the kid and walking through
4: the house, and it's I you're basically. I'm I not mean, for not being scared. Like in that moment, I was like, no, this but was, I.
1: I, I mean, and for this kind of film where there's so much else that is so obviously intentional, I would have to imagine that what they are trying to do from their from the very beginning was like we are subverting horror genre. Like we are taking mm-hmm. this classic opening scene, and we're instead of it being someone going to kill someone else, which would be Halloween, it is someone going to try and reconnect with someone that they love who they become estranged from, and the the knife is not what is going to kill the person. The knife is what's going to allow her entry to the space to try and look at it.
2: Yes. Another thing that I didn't get was the glowing of the blood everywhere. Yes. On her forehead and on the glass of the is. boy's name. Andy. Yes. On Andy's forehead, his sea was glowing at some point.
5: And I think she said, so I can find you in the forest or something.
2: Yeah. that's what she said when so she cut I it into... Can... Yeah. She, us. she did it.
3: Meant. And we talked about why was she rolling around, like, when it showed Carolyn in the woods or wherever that was. She kept moving Yes, around.
5: that was absolutely. She was constantly moving through the entire film.
3: Yeah, and I wasn't... I was so confused by that. I kept trying to think of what it meant, and I still... I don't know. I mean, maybe that could be connected to her saying, so I can find you. But... I don't know, because then obviously she ended up, they found her when the daughter got in a fight with Renee and they pulled off her dress and then they just found Carolyn laying there. So I wasn't sure what all the, like, it almost seemed like when they were doing the whole search party, she was like rolling down the hill. I thought she was kind of trying to like hide from them, searching for her. Me too.
5: I, yeah, I totally agree. I have no idea. And it seems like it should mean something. And I kept wanting to go somewhere metaphorical on oh, she's... Like, she's an elusive thing you can't find because you can't, you were never really connected to her in the first place, and so nobody knows her name, nobody knows. Like, she doesn't represent herself as a person, and so you can't find her because she, you didn't even know that she was there when she really was there or something. And like, that's all fine, but if with no message from the film that you're even roughly on track with any of those ideas, I feel like you could come up with 12 different explanations and they'd be equally plausible. Mm or at least that was my experience throughout it. I kept just throwing out all these ideas and thinking maybe this, maybe that, maybe that, and not getting any of them reinforced.
3: Yeah. Did
5: (laughs) you, yeah. Did you like, (laughs) because I, I'm I'm wondering if you came out of this with a, a message or a meaning or a point.
1: I think there's an argument to be made that we only ever see Carolyn and she only gets seen after she has been assaulted and, kill everybody's like well i kind of remember her She sometimes she was a jerk or an asshole i think is what they say sometimes she wasn't i kind of remember her she's not talking to mom we're not really friends
4: with her but yeah we i didn't know really who she like is her. no one yeah, cares
1: they even say that at the assembly joanna i think says to what's our um, jesse she's like none of these people even knew who she was or everybody didn't even remember her like however many days ago and he's like, You didn't either. And she's like, Well, I was her friend in seventh grade, however long ago that was. So it's it's interesting to me that her identity only comes from from breaking being boundaries. the victims.
4: I agree with that. Another thing with breaking boundaries, instead of is instead of like a cheerleader, or sorority girl, popular girl getting killed off, they do a marching band member. And not and that's the however different girl. yeah. Not the yeah right they picked like an average Joe I guess you could say <laughs> I don't know if that's average good. Joe Joe could be gender neutral yeah average oh, Jolene. Met, average Julia yeah average Joanna <laughs> <laughs> and so what does that tell us what if everybody all, anybody could be killed
1: I would like it to say something about how invisible young women are
4: and female sexuality just tell something That happens to them. Uh, Except for, like, specific circumstances. I think female sexuality was, like, non-existent until she died, and then it kept building and building as the movie went on. There was, like, no sexuality at the beginning of No,
1: he... What happens there? There's no female
4: sexuality. Like, she's not... Like, manual, like, hands? He was... Well, that was very him. She was, like... She gave him his glasses and was like, I don't even want to see what's about to happen. She had no interest. Oh, I thought she said, "I want to see." It. No, she said, "I just not oh, want to see." Oh, that's this. interesting. She was like, and "I don't want like, to
1: see." So the arc of the film is absolutely, I would say, it's from disconnection to connection, and it's particularly disconnection to connection between mothers and daughters, and mm, it's a it's at least connection between women, and we know that because yeah, because Lisa, from the very beginning, we open with. Her daughter is has locked herself in her room and is, isn't speaking to her, which is essentially a, just summarily disconnected. And by the end, the other three girls come and they share a meal. And then we have uh, Joanna, who's reconnected with her mom via the manicure. We have the two girls who are now in a relationship. They have a band back together. So that's the arc of the film is how, how do we get... How, how are women establishing connection? And then there's commentary about men because except for the cop, the men are basically terrible people.
2: <laughs> Not the mime. He's still having an affair.
1: Yeah, he's still having an affair.
5: But so's the mom who's having the affair with him. And he like sits down and tries to kind of connect with his daughter a little bit. He gives her that tape. He tells her the truth about where he's been when he, since he lost his job. He's also
1: lost a job and is lying to some of the family.
5: Yeah, but I don't think he's worse than the women. I mean, actually, if you just were to lay out the characters on a spectrum in terms of how... Is he worse than someone who's lying about being pregnant?
1: No, okay. But then we have the other issue, right, which is the mothers who are... And that's why I guess it is daughters. There's all this connection. And the... And the football
5: player. He's not terrible.
1: He's totally the Black Christmas guy, like, well, not all men.
5: Like, well, but he's not, again, on the spectrum of characters that we're putting out there. I think we have all these flawed women that you're absolving a, by virtue of the fact that they're I, women. I'm, and I'm,
1: then- not, I'm not absolving. I'm not absolving. What I'm, what I'm saying is they are disconnected primarily from their daughters. What their faults are, for sure, are lying. But they're not... It's a fair. We should talk about that. Let me, let me come back to that. The idea was it's an inversion of or it's like a daisy in the in the gun barrel of slasher films because we open with the iconic slasher scene or a play on it which is ultimately Carpenter's Halloween where it's POV uh, from Michael Myers he's holding the knife he goes in he stabs his sister because she's humping some dude and then we learn it's him and it's a kid and in this case she is actually using a a knife to unlock a door to try and reestablish a form of communication with her daughter, which is arguably precisely contrary to stabbing someone. So we have that, and then she is... Carolyn is assaulted, and that's a real interesting dynamic because she's definitely assaulted, but she was at some point interested in doing something with Tony? Andy. Andy? Andy?
5: We don't figure out what it is. So it was a super confusing exchange. I felt like, because yeah. I don't think they ever tell us what she when she said she was there for something. I didn't understand if that was even sexual that she was agreeing to or if. I
1: mean, I think it was sexual because she either had they had, like hands on genitals or something was going on. And when she was like, "I don't
3: want to wear my
1: glasses," I don't. Yeah. I guess the, or the most interesting piece for me is we don't ever get to know Carolyn except through her absence. So in many ways, she is silenced. And the community and these women are only able to come together at all because a woman is assaulted and murdered. So for me, the takeaway message was we really don't care about women unless they are victims of a crime. And that is when we feel compelled as a community to come together. Because before she was, before that happened, nobody cared. Nobody cared who she was. I mean, I guess her mom did enough to to try and jimmy her door lock open. But, and then there's this really uh, saccharine, like false or disingenuous concern that the community has and everybody's trying to like, what do you call it? Um, what is it What is it called when you're put on the spot to donate your dollar to some corporation who's not paying any taxes at their cash register? It's like value signaling. What is it? Virtue signaling. Everybody's like virtue signaling about finding this girl and finding out what happened, but they're not, nobody's punished. And in the meantime, while they're sort of doing this, The one dude is the the substitute teacher is hitting on his student. The principal is buying underwear that he thinks is his students. The mime has lost his job and is lying to his family and is having an affair. The cop is trying to do something right and then this whole community is out like looking for things and having assemblies and like it's all arguably it does produce some positive ability to connect but and all of that, or most of that disconnection, really seems to be based upon sexuality and status as women. It's classic, like, she's punished for being sexual. But the connections that are able to be made are, are through, we have the girls come together and they find a voice. They find a voice in the band, they find a voice in the choir. It is through music. It is through, it is through the, where else do they have voice? Joanna reclaims her power because she uses the sexual harassment that's put it, put on her against the people who are harassing her. And mom, who is the lion, she kicks, it's as women find a voice and claim their sexuality in an open honest way. That is when things start to resolve. And then we need to figure out what happens. What's going on with Andy and mom hooking up? I will say, for me, it was very compelling to see. Um, I mean, they, they broke representation. They, they showed and they dealt with issues that we don't ever see in Hollywood mainstream films. We have a pregnant woman getting head, or we think from, as a pregnant woman, getting head from a guy. <laughs> who she's cheating on her husband with. Um, We have uh, two women of color, girls of color, who are lesbian, who are hooking up with each other and are like putting things in their vagina and like passing it back and forth to each other. Um, We have grandma who's watching porn and we don't see old women's sexuality in films at all. We have women's masturbation, which is just generally not seen. It's a really fascinating scene for me because it's it's like a grief masturbation, which I don't know if I've ever seen that on camera. I've seen like grief sex. there's a scene in a gross not gross I'm blank high fidelity where she's like grieving the death of her father and she's like just fuck me because I don't want to think about this anymore. And then we've got mom hooking up with the same guy out of again grief that her daughter, what, who who assaulted her daughter and her daughter was doing something sexual with. That in and of itself is not necessarily enough to have kudos, right? But, oh, and then we've got menstruation. The pregnant mom is standing there and she starts bleeding. And at least I was like, okay, is she having a baby? Is she miscarrying? Like, what's happening? But we find out when she's faking we actually just saw like menstrual blood on camera, which this doesn't ever happen. So all these things are, again, for me, for me, this, these are all like sideposts, like clues and signals that we should be able to figure out. Now, if we can't, and if it is too convoluted or it is too challenging for us to figure out I think that's a valid critique, and I think some of that's there. But we've also got like all kinds of cat imagery, with like you know, cat as pussy is a classic signal for vagina. The mascot of the fucking school is like a beaver, um, who is played by Jesse, who's the like possibly gay mascot uh, son. There's just sexual imagery like throughout, and it was just such a different. So for me, if, if we look at a slasher film as like the, the sex equals death and the sin equals death, and we have these very classic tropes of, of the movie being a, at a very fundamental level of disconnection and that we're killing people off and we're separating them and we're, we're pushing them into shock. If you turn that all sort of inside out, it's we have one victim who then, for even reasons that are not real great and coupled with sexuality all start to coalesce and come together and to find a voice and to find a some sort of hope because i feel like they do end up in a very hopeful place where they stand on the roof and they're like yes there is a world outside of this fucked up little town and we can maybe get out those are some of the ideas that we came up with and that we were throwing around And, and i i don't have a peeping tom like boom 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 but for me, that was—I think it's there. I—I I, I regret, and I'll stop saying it, but I really regret not watching it again because I feel like a second watch is going to be something where it'll either be *Human Centipede* two, or, <laughs> or not. It'll be like this—none of this. It, this doesn't all actually hold together. Or now, let's go through and we can like pin down because everything was so deliberate. It was
5: clearly uh, I, deliberate.
1: What's your name? I, is Wants to hold hands and she's really good at holding hands and that's how she connects to the daughter as a manicure and at the same time her husband is a mime who is like which is like all hands right except when he's when we see him he's got these comically large overstuffed Mickey Mouse gloves or something on which is like I mean if she, what she wants to do is hold hands and what he has is like three inches of padding on either side of his hand there's absolutely no way for them to connect All these things just like, there's piece, there's like tab and slot. Not to you know, imagery aside. (laughs) On so many of these things, I just feel like there's a border of a puzzle being built.
5: I'm realizing in you going through that whole exposition there where the disconnect is for me in that argument. And it's emotional. And it's because, and maybe some of that just has to do with the presentation and the fact that I was really just bored throughout and i was so ready for the end by the time the end came what i wanted was for the movie to be over i didn't i kind of stopped caring about what the characters were doing but that it didn't feel hopeful for me at the end and it didn't feel like there was a real turning point or things were very different it felt maybe marginally improved but still just horribly depressing and still it went from like disconnected to more connected but still depressingly disconnected and so I didn't see that as prescriptive, like what you're laying out with women can band together or need to band together. Like I, I would feel some emotional hopefulness at the end. And I think because I didn't, that's where I didn't get the message. What you're laying out as a message seems like it could be a compelling message. If if you saw a positive arc, then there's a question of how do you get there? How do you encourage things in that direction? And it was, there sort of was, but emotionally, I think I was just so dragged down by the overall ambiance of the whole thing that I didn't feel hopeful and I didn't feel I'm not willing to say it's about women connecting I mean it's like yay I'm glad they did a little better at the end but I just wanted to get away from them all
3: you know I mean it was just it was just
5: horribly horribly depressing
3: I also think at the end with them concluding her death as like a heart failure thing I thought that that had a lot to say about How you said we only care about women until they're like victims of a crime, I feel like they were kind of showing how that can only go so far as to, oh my gosh, she was murdered, she died, but they never even thought to think of the um, sexual assault part of it. So they kind of brushed that off. They brushed off any sign of Andy showing that. So I feel like that her at the end, her death just being concluded is that I feel like that was... more so saying we only care about women if they're a victim of a crime but not anything of sexual assault or sexual harassment or any of that so i also thought that that wasn't necessarily showing like women coming together but
1: i don't know i mean i think it's still a dark message like the message is our community especially women can be less terrible to each other and have something better in terms of connection uh, if they're confronted with the fact that one of the young women in the community is, is the victim of a crime, yeah, it's not like a hopeful message. It's like a less be depressed message.
5: It's clearly all there. Like there's that very deliberate scene where they're standing by the lockers and it's like you treat women like witches yeah, shit yeah, or whatever right, she yeah. said. And then she says it like seven times. Like clearly I get that you want me to take this from the film and I, I appreciate that. Message. message
1: you can't break up with me
2: you treat girls like shit
1: i'm varsity first team all district for four years and i drive a mustang
2: you treat girls like shit
1: why are you being such a bitch right now
2: i'm not a bitch i'm not a slut and i'm not a tease you treat girls like shit it just
5: i don't know it didn't on a large scale, it didn't. It felt like like ab- too abstract. I guess I would say, I just I, just, I don't know. I don't.
1: And that, well, that seems to be from what Sophie and Keenan are saying. That was also too abstract. And, and I mean, like you said, at the end of the film, if you because of class or whatever, okay, I'm trying to think about what everything means and everything means something. And I mean, we're all capable folks. Again, I I still don't have where I can put everything together. I guess for me there was enough together and there were enough sort of other pieces that I came away like really appreciating it. It wasn't Assassination Nation. And it wasn't Black Christmas. And Assassination Nation was
5: great. And had and I I left actually thinking that too, like that film. First of all, there's something to be said for being like a compelling viewing experience. Right. Unless, unless you're going to pull a martyr's and right. it's going to be a horribly painful experience, but that pain is going to feed into you getting the message. I would say in this case, the pain of watching it did not feed into the message. Like it didn't make the message more impactful. If there, it made me less open to the message because I think I was just so overwhelmed and sort of confused and bored. But, you know, it's like, the, I mean, bad experience can be useful in, in delivery. It just didn't feel like it did that. And Assassination Nation was great. Like all the same stuff was there. And not only was it fun to watch, it doesn't even have to be fun to watch, but I left that energized and feeling like they said something really cool here. And I left this like, oh God, I like I just had a weird dream. And all the pieces are there, but sorting through it, I I just think they could have organized it and presented it in a way that delivered an impact, much more so. Maybe that wasn't the intent. But I think that's a big ask. I don't know, I just think that's a big ask.
1: I guess for me, the, her moving around would be, she still has to be missing for, until connection, until people actually start bonding.
2: Like she was waiting for people to get together before Right. So they could find her. Before right. she let them find her.
1: Like somebody needs to get it. Somebody needs to understand that this is more important
2: did she
5: do it uh, on purpose? Because that would actually somehow give me something to hang on to in the film. Was that like what she met him there for? And would that be why she like carved her little C into his forehead? And then her mom could like smell her on him in the car. If she was giving a message, which if that's the case, I didn't get it till right this second. That I like that better.
1: We, we took the, the carving the C as basically like the the flip side of the Scarlet Letter. Rather than the the woman being branded for being sexually promiscuous or or otherwise unacceptable, he is being branded as uh, as problematic. And then I guess to carry that further, right, is uh, I mean she's shunned and like uh, abused for for having been stigmatized with the with the letter. And in this case, probably because of how white men white men's privilege. Even though he's been labeled, nobody sees it. Nobody gets it. He's got a wound that does not heal throughout the entire film. I mean, it doesn't get any better. Somebody, uh, either Andy or Aubrey, thought it got worse. Nobody cares. Nobody's like, oh, by the way, you got this wound at the same night that uh, this person, this woman goes missing. Hey, and I mean, the men characters are, I, the mime, I, I, I don't have figured out. But I think there's got to be something there. But everybody else is patriarchy. Men, it's it's education system. It's legal system or, or law enforcement. It's sports. It's like the jock, whatever. And then it's, um, I feel like there's a man we're missing. Except for, it's certainly all the white men. And then the two men of color are like the decent cop who's ineffective but is sort of okay and his son who's probably gay and is
2: the mascot
1: right <laughs> is in touch with his feminine side yeah.
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it's making my head hurt it's I
5: will like... say
1: that I I want to bring up which Laura you all appreciate this thing in particular but that something I would like to know which I did not figure out is what is with the mashed potato come shot because that's all I can think about. That's how I saw it. I don't get it. So gay son is mashed potato cub shot all over mom because of that's the when he finds out. Yeah, he's like, you should apologize. Like you have been lying to us that yeah. you faked a pregnancy. And why why would you fake a pregnancy? That's gotta be symbolic. I still think there I still think it's there. I just don't think we have it figured out. And I blame
5: myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, was say, I blame them. I think that's the difference here.
3: Going back to the mime, I feel like since his character was the only white man that wasn't necessarily conforming to the toxic masculinity norms, that could be him like trying to hide himself since he wasn't doing that. But that also doesn't really exactly
1: line up. So I'm not sure. Not well, like that because now he's no longer employed. So he's excluded from that and he's, he's
3: the only one actually connecting with his
1: daughter or trying. Yeah.
5: I felt like that was a that scene was a breath of fresh air when he showed up in her room. For a second I could breathe and I felt like oh somebody is connected. And so I find that strange in the context of the argument that you were making because it was a man, but I I did. I noticed
1: myself relax for a
5: second there like oh we have a real human interaction. Yes. Just for a minute.
1: It's so interesting that there that connection and so much of the voice and commentary is the chorus. I mean, the chorus was totally, at least in my mind, like Greek tragedy chorus. It was like the return to... what How did the Greek... From high school, like Euripides and like, I don't know what else we re, 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 re read. Like the classic Greek tragedies where like the chorus is like the voice of the people. And it was like, the chorus was basically exposition. Yeah. It was like recap and here's like what you're supposed to have understood sort of and in this it's and what do they sing they sing these pop songs that have been reworked to all are they all women's songs but they're all i think they are and they're all these like poppy iconic arguably feminist songs that have been reworked to be like maudlin and dramatic and depressing And then he gives her a tape, which, I, I mean, he sort of tries to talk to her, but mostly it's, your mom wasn't always like this, and, but you're right. He, he, and the cop is surprisingly outside of the, like, toxic masculinity as
3: well. I feel like the white men were the only one who really fit that, besides the mine. But then also the scene where the mime is fighting with Lynn, his wife or ex-wife. After that fight, it shows Joanna um, like bathing her mom, and then it shows the mime like sitting outside, kind of having to help himself after that situation with the mom in the garage. Yes, the garage after side. that fight, I remember it showed Joanna bathing her mom yeah. and kind of like comforting her, even though she. I feel like she was the problem of the fight. So I thought that was interesting too in regard to the toxic masculinity because it's like they wouldn't give the men any sympathy or they're like, well, you're supposed to fight. Maybe that's what they were trying to say, but it also was different because it was um, a man and a woman fighting. So I've really just tried to pull out so many things, but it's hard. And I feel like there was a lot of things where in that one scene where they're searching for her, and um, he says, "If you find her, say I need a knife." <laughs> That's so weird because it's like you could connect that to like, if you find her, why would, are you gonna try and kill her then? If her find her, yeah. <laughs> so I feel like I could connect one thing to another, but no farther than that.
5: Exactly. I totally agree with that, and I even think that Marshall, when you started your sort of argument by saying the men were terrible people, I think I do think it was more nuanced. Than them being terrible people. And I also.
1: I mean, for you, Laura's Laura's thing is always uh, present your. What is
5: it? Or the best version of your enemy. Yeah.
1: So give them as much as you can so you can most thoroughly (laughs) retreat. Yeah. So have, have. Right. So make some men. Make a spectrum of men.
5: But it's weird, though, because, like, even. So one of the last scenes, I'm just recalling when you're talking about after the fight in the garage and all of that, was lion shirt woman. Yeah. Kind of almost dropping her disconnectedness a bit with her daughter. And maybe it was during the manicure. And then she said something, he, he did things that were wrong or whatever, referring to her ex-husband, but But so did I." I. And that again, doesn't really go with this sort of, you have to push aside the patriarchy in order for women to connect because it was just, it was more nuanced, which was actually more confusing in a way. I mean, I feel like Assassination Nation just hit those points and hit them and that somehow left with a more compelling experience and here it's like they're muddled and not interesting character studies which I guess is what I started with. Like, I, I don't know.
1: Which is so funny because I feel like abstractly you would be much more of the like, don't do this so on the nose Yes! Assassination Nation, like just bop bop bop, here's your targets, light them up and knock them down.
5: But what was it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe you're right. I mean, maybe I would argue that. I, and maybe it's just the, at least knock a couple of them down.
1: I don't know. What <laughs> <laughs> else on your list? We haven't we have resolved any of that.
3: The doll where Joanna is acting out the scene where um, she has to write the poem for mm-hmm. the class. And she's like making her little doll talk where he's like, oh, do you want a beer? And then she has that same situation with her teacher, and she's like, why don't you have any books in here? I thought that was so interesting because it was like she had to write that poem about love for her class or whatever it was about, and she wanted to, like, act out a situation. I don't know if it was, like, a fantasy of hers or what, but with her doll, so that she could kind of have some sort of experience to write about. But then when she goes to... Her teacher's house, she has that same situation, but almost like a revelation where she's like, I don't know. I thought that was so weird how the doll situation was the same, but not as the teacher.
2: Yeah, and her teacher was the one who gave her the advice in the first place about you can write about anything you like. She went to his house, and it was exactly the opposite of what she wanted to get out of it, I think.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: The, the doll was a cat
3: yeah oh i thought it was a person
1: oh no, there also, it is um, boom totally a cat
3: yeah and wow. is that the same doll that the dad What's tried the to make rack? move oh look at that <laughs> yes
5: i think so
1: D- the dad did what
3: now is that the same one that he tried to make move when he was wearing the big gloves the daughter
1: was, thought like, it was like do magic yeah it?
3: and it's Interesting how the times when he doesn't have his paint, whatever, on his face is when he's actually
1: connecting. Right. Totally. Mm. Same doll, yeah? Do
3: mm-hmm.
1: we agree?
3: Yeah. Mm. <sighs> so so she has daddy or she is? Yeah, because then... <laughs> like,
1: <it's> so, <laughs> I, said, I said that every time.
3: <laughs> I just don't get how that... So first the dad tries to move the doll.
5: But Carolyn moves. Right. Yes. I think Carolyn moves when he tries to move the doll. Got
1: it, really?
5: I could be wrong, but I think so. <gasps> oh.
2: <no>. <laughs> <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> wow. And what does it I, mean? I, <laughs> we don't
5: know. <laughs> we don't know. Wow. And that makes my head hurt.
1: It's so. Uh, well, I'm gonna. I'm <sighs> gonna watch it again. So our whole cool thing is if you listen. Have you all even, have you ever actually listened to one of our episodes? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, all right. where do you go. Neither Angie or Aubrey had. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> really? if you listen to our Human Centipede 2 episode, that's our example of me desperately wanting to thread pieces together that ultimately were not
5: <laughs> no. salvageable. Is that right? there's a difference here. There's like a nuanced difference with this film because in this film, clearly there was a message. There's no question about whether there was a message. I just, my perception is that they didn't execute it because I left board drained and not feeling like I had a real clear sense. I could tell you on paper what they wanted to talk about because they had very explicit lines of like, you treat women like shit. I mean, that just based on the theme. Yeah. Okay. That was obviously what they were getting at. But most of the film I felt for me, didn't contribute to that message. It just, Made me think like, oh, that's kind of pretty. Or what are you doing there? I don't get it. I, You know, and that's like you treat women like shit. Oh, okay, that must be what it's about. But like, what the heck did the last like five things just mean? I have no idea. And so I feel like it was an execution problem. Like the message was good. It even looked nice. But in terms of execution combined with emotional tone, if it had been a different emotion that didn't just drain all the energy out of me, maybe I could have hung in there more. So there was a message, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm not arguing there wasn't because clearly there was. Human Centipede 2 was like this question of is the message there or not? Or like, are we making up the message or is it actually in the movie? And I, I don't give the filmmakers in Human Centipede 2, I didn't give them the credit of having a message they wanted to deliver. I thought they wanted to deliver exploitation. And you were trying to give them this intellectual, possibly moral cause. And I wasn't, I thought that was us putting that into the mean, movie yeah, because right. human centipede three was such a right. dramatic right. disaster That's right. That's right. that if the same people That's made right. that clearly they were not right. thoughtful right. human right. beings. Right. But in this yes. one, I mean, I think they, they have very good intentions in terms of what they wanted to get across. I it just, it's a difference. It's not like it wasn't there. It's just, well, well, maybe it wasn't there, but it wasn't, they intended something.
1: So, so but humor me. So if the doll is cheap, Pulls it up when she's talking to Dad and they're having a connection, and she asks him to move it. And when he he says I can't with or magic, something, it moves Carolyn. And then we have this flashback to her putting her glasses back on, which is very distinctly connected to the assault and her sexuality.
4: Oh yeah, so I guess you're right. There is the female sexuality, but I guess uh, she didn't want and he. Uh, I don't know if this is super oh, important, but as long as sexuality, I'm not, tr- I'm not bringing kissing. this up just to. Uh, that was interesting. The no, mouth no kissing, kissing, but he was that's like takes away the intimacy. If
1: uh, to, again, uh, again, if I'm reading into this because that's what I do, let me know.
4: I feel like he was fingering her. Oh no, I think that's what happened. And then I, I feel like down. mom smells that on his fucking hand. And I was like, oh, I, uh, I noticed her smelling her fingers, and I thought isn't this You're Yeah, mind. I was like, why is she looking under her fingernails for skin, like the smell of her skin? And the, I, now I feel stupid thinking that, because that makes more sense. That but makes it, a lot more sense. But that that confuses me with the sexual side of things, because it's like, why does she have that complex? Like, why is that complex It's there so there? there. She's... But it doesn't bother me that she smells her
1: daughter. It bothers me that she knows what her daughter's like about.
4: Yeah. Like, all of it bothers me, but yes, it's clearly the worst part. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I mean that's, by that complex. Like I don't know I just so didn't like that bed. he hadn't washed his hands and at least two days. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be That's the, the worst word. part. <laughs> her
1: being so tuned in
4: to That's that. her like finding him in the darkness, being there and like haunting him, like haunting her mother. She's so there her presence is still there small, still there see, yeah, I, that was the glasses than... in the glove compartment I see that too yeah and I took that more as like he hasn't
1: not that he hasn't bathed but like a figurative like she's still so around. connected to daughter she can just yeah. and like tell. he doesn't
4: have her blood on his hands but mm-hmm. close enough <laughs> that's interesting <what you're> <laughs> <laughs> Yes. That could, and that is also
3: connected to Joanna's assault because the whole teacher
1: interaction is connected to the doll. Yeah, right. And he... So then the doll becomes him, whoever the teacher is. Yeah. And he, like, comes at her and she's like, no. And he's like... And it's so funny you said dream. So we read in the horror fi- class, one of the the first articles about there's overlap between dreams and films and, like, the experience of it can be very dreamlike. And, and that's, that helped me appreciate this, having just read that, of like, this for me was total dream logic, which is so not me, but I, I, did, I just like, I felt like it was a dream where I was like, none of this should make sense, but somehow for me, this all does make sense. And that is, I have been known to string things together that aren't fully there or want to. And I'll throw out another possible reference, which is a leap. Also felt like kind of it was kind of Foucauldian, where he like no one sentence says anything. <laughs> Laura, for those of you listening, Laura has a pained expression. <laughs> so Foucault is an, an enormously influential important thinker. and I very much talk about like I remember going to try and find quotes from Foucault to use in papers and articles, and I can't find a quote to save my life. I know what the argument of the chapters of the book is, or even the par- or the paragraph or the section is. I cannot find a specific quote that actually makes a point. And I don't know why this film worked for me. It's my topics I like. and
5: It took a bunch of things I feel like you were interested in and put them in a bag and shook them around. <laughs> and that's, that, I don't even mean that entirely disparagingly. Right. Like it did. And it, I think you're, what you led with is really perfect, saying that it's it's just abstract. It's a flower. It's a... Here's a musings around these ideas and in a dreamlike sort of state, no, it's not gonna all logically totally tie together, but you're gonna you're gonna be left with something
1: that's... But you weren't left with anything.
5: <sighs> well, I was left with like the obvious points because they were so darn clear. But in most of my experience of the film I would say didn't reinforce those points. It just left me confused and bored. And you all had a similar
3: Yeah. <laughs> like, the messages didn't really come from everything perfectly being strung together. But like you said, they were obviously there. So I was just confused because I wanted, like, so badly to be able to stream together. And then... But either way, we still got the message.
2: It's so, like a, a puzzle, Sorry. kind of, where all the pieces are lined up so you can fit them together. But some of the pieces are missing, and it, like, wants to go together, but it doesn't fully really get there, but you see the whole picture, and you get it, but not all the pieces are there to put it all together.
3: Yes. And I guess, instead of message, more just, like, the ideas of it. What was up with the glasses?
1: I could sit and do this all day. you can cut me off when you want to. <laughs> <laughs> or if you need to leave, you can leave. I know, Laura. you said... Yeah, saying. I'm going to have
2: to duck out at some point. Oh,
1: soon. Within about five minutes. Because the glasses glow...
2: Mm-hmm.
1: at some point also right and we just see like she she takes them off when she's gonna have whatever sexual experience she is she does want to see or she doesn't want to see doesn't. doesn't
3: and he ends up taking them and then putting them on the bear
2: mm-hmm.
1: and gl-
3: they're in the
2: locker for like a long time
1: right and then he returns them to the memorial kind of thing and then the mother is fixated on wear her glasses, right?
2: Yeah, she asked for her glasses when she first saw her body, but didn't have them. And so what does that tell us?
1: When you establish that it's... Her glasses are, like, desexualizing? As glasses wears. what, What is that?
5: I mean, she describes them at the beginning by saying her mom would kill her they're new and her mom would kill her if she broke them or lost them or oh, something right. that's, I feel like yeah. that's the only thing she says about them or does she say when she takes them off that she doesn't want to see I don't remember
1: yeah that's what I was saying she says she doesn't want to see and she's about to engage in some sort of I, I mean I think she did you also yeah oh I'm sorry
3: I just had an idea I feel like maybe cause so she says she doesn't want to wear them before she gets whatever assaulted
5: I wanna put my glasses in the car.
1: Just put them in your pocket.
5: No way, they're brand new. Mom would kill me if they broke.
0: Keep them on, I don't care.
5: I do care. I actually don't wanna see what's about to happen. And the mom is
3: looking for them and they glow. The only things that glow are that
1: and his C on
3: his forehead and her blood on her forehead
1: like yeah. mom hooking deviant up with. Deviant even. Yeah, oh yeah. And so to see all of that, and it was like...
4: It was deviant. It was we like, watched it. We felt the deviance of it. Yeah. It right. felt wrong.
1: But it wasn't much. like, oh my God, she's a terrible person. I didn't feel like that. I was I like, thought it was wow, you're in a fucked up place.
4: I was, but I was just thinking about how close she was to knowing it. that he was her daughter's killer because she was sitting in the passenger seat the glasses right in front of her. Not only that, but she's making out with this boy and he has yeah. a C in blood like a scar on his forehead and she is pressed oh up against his forehead and the band-aid is the only thing which is you said you said that it was kind of like a scarlet letter thing but yeah it never heals it never heals it was it was getting worse and worse by the day actually in the movie. something that she said when she did it was basically i'm putting this here so that i can find you in the dark and it wasn't dark like, super dark yet and she had taken her glasses off and given them to her, but I have glasses. It doesn't get darker when you take your glasses off. It just gets blurry. thats I don't think that's what she was talking about. I think it was implying something else. I think there was symbolism there. It was starting off the movie with something. You saying that, I think there's an
1: argument to be made that we only ever see Carolyn and, and she only gets seen. After she has been assaulted and killed, because she's she, everybody's like, well, I kind of remember her. She's sometimes she was a jerk or an asshole, I think is what they say. Sometimes she wasn't. I kind of remember her. She's not talking to mom. We're not really friends with her. But yeah, I didn't really I like care no, her we didn't
4: know who she is. Nobody cares. They, they even say
1: that at the, at the assembly. Joanna, I think, says to what's our um, Jesse. She's like, none of these people even knew who she was or everybody didn't even remember her however many days ago. And he's like, You didn't either. And she's like, Well, I was her friend in seventh grade, however long ago that was. So it's it's interesting to me that her identity only comes from from breaking being the
4: victims. I agree with that. Another thing with breaking boundaries, instead of is instead of like a cheerleader, or sorority girl, popular girl getting killed off, they do a marching band member. And not and that's the however different, girl. yeah. Not the yeah. Right. They picked like an average Joe, I guess you could say. Jane, <laughs> I don't know if that's. Average it. Joe? Joe could be gender neutral. Yeah. Um, average if that's Jolene. What you met, that's average great. Jolene, yeah. Um, <laughs> average <laughs> Joanna. <laughs> and so, what does that tell us? What, if Everybody, all, anybody could be killed.
1: I would like it to say something about how invisible young women are,
4: and female sexuality. Just tell something. That happens to
1: them, uh, except for like
4: specific circumstances. I think female sexuality was like non-existent until until she died, and then it kept building and building as the movie went on. Like there was like no sexuality at the beginning of the no. Movie. He what happens there? There's no yeah, female sexuality. He, like he she's not like manual like hands. He was well. That was very him. She was like she gave him his glasses and was like, I don't even want to see what's about to happen. She had no interest. Well, I thought she said, "I want to see." No, she said, yeah. "I do not want to see." Oh, that's this. interesting. She was like, "I, I don't
3: want see like what's about to see them And this might be a stretch, but I feel like maybe the mom was looking for them because it could be like suddenly she could like see what actually happened to her.
1: And she does, right? Doesn't she have this vision at the end where she can see her daughter
2: finally, like when she's walking away? doesn't daughter like appear in the sky or something that seems right oh yeah
1: and then Caesar
2: maybe going back to how if Carolyn has control over she's hiding her like she kind of not wanted this to happen but like she's like hiding herself wanting everyone to figure everything out before she's found like she took them off in the first place and
5: I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> this may be a good time to... Uh, I, I, can I just throw on a closing yeah, thought yeah. here? Which is that I... Because I could tell someone loved it, because a lot of things were beautiful, and because the themes were really things that I do find compelling, and, and a lot of what you said, when you listed off that laundry list of like things we don't normally see and kind of stereotypes that were broken in the film, I appreciated that as well. And so I... Almost like... I, I don't want to criticize it if... If someone else had an experience where they loved it and they felt like they got a lot out of it, then I feel like it's it's worthwhile for that. It just didn't resonate with me. I found a grab bag of themes that were cool and I- ideas that you threw out there and, like I said, broken stereotypes and things. But the experience of watching it, aside from it being pretty, I just... It didn't make much of an impact. And so I would say, like, in a, in a personal sense, I just didn't like it or enjoy it or feel like it came
1: together. Do, do you want um, to grade it and then I can...
4: Lead
5: up through that same process. Somewhere in the B range, because clearly what it was getting at was very admirable, but in terms of execution, for me, it it to be an A. I think it would have to have punched with something, but it had good intentions. That's a tough one. These grades get super complicated super fast. I have to say, I, I, sometimes I think about them afterwards for like a day, and I want to change my answer. Okay, that's my my initial. Kind of closing thought. It's hard for me to look at it in a way and criticize it because, like I said, it was so cared for and it was so pretty. I want that person here, honestly, is what I would like. I would like to talk to the person who made it and just hear their thoughts on all of this. I look forward to hearing what you talked about too when you laid
2: out your argument more fully. Yeah, and when it was fresh. So, do you all have more? I don't know how to get together the thought that I was trying to say about like, the glasses yeah just how Carolyn had control over everything that was happening and by the end her mom could see yeah I don't know maybe it, like, connected a- them and, yeah like was the connection between them maybe Carolyn wanted to, her mom to see something through her own eyes or, like, I mean totally
1: it's yeah. like figurative and literal she is now like seeing through her daughter's eyes who she started at the very beginning of the film not even speaking to each other and not understanding. And she, for the whole film, is wearing her clothes and, like, hooks yeah. up with, you know, um, Man to, like...
2: And she's like, what was my, happening with my daughter? And, yeah. And it was so simple. She went... She did all those things, but then when she finally saw it, it was, like, just her glasses. And...
3: and it's interesting
1: that the boy hid them in the locker for the whole thing. Totally. I mean, they... And they're, like, in the same space on the... In the frame. And they're also, like, you've got green background, blue, green, and here you've got green background, blue, green. So they're, like, mm-hmm. seen together. Really looking at each other. So they have totally connected.
3: I think it's interesting, too, that the boy, one, hides them, and then it's when she's found, he puts them on the bear yeah. as if, like,
1: okay, now I'm safe, no one knows so what I- happened. And he is safe. he faces no repercussions. Yeah, I mean he gets called out of like you're, you're, you're you know you're a jackass, you're a terrible person, but
2: doesn't go to jail or anything.
3: Yeah, questioned. No. And I just think it's interesting that they chose the glasses and both of their blood as the glowing because I don't know. I mean, I feel like it would make more sense if either only her blood was glowing or only his.
1: Wait, oh, you mean his when she carves? Yeah. His blood is going? But that's really from her, right? Yeah,
3: that's true.
1: So, I mean, I'm happy to, like I said, I can do this all night. But, so this is something that we have started doing, which I'm actually a big fan of, which is our, in how do we evaluate a horror film in terms of social responsibility? And the idea is hopefully comically titled the collective nightmares evolving rubric of horror film social responsibility and our components of our rubric are the social responsibility which is how real is the issue and i'll just talk through i guess what i would how i would grade this sexual assault violence against young women in particular is absolutely real issue very frequent so it's very very relevant topic, and I would compare that to, I guess we'll go back to it, like human centipede, like that's just not actually happening. So if you portray that and it's a really problematic portrayal, that's actually less problematic for us because you're not distorting a topic that is real. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the idea. And then it's whom do we empathize and who is stigmatized. And for me in this film, the, 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 Men, especially the men who are problematic in terms of harassment and assault, are really the ones who are stigmatized. I don't know how I feel about if the women are stigmatized or not, particularly the mom who fakes the pregnancy is probably really shown as being kind of absurd and ridiculous. So that's somewhat problematic. For representation, I was thrilled, maybe not super great diversity in terms of bodies, but we have LGBT folks, actually, I don't know we have trans folks, but we have, we have gay, uh, probably bi, or questioning folks. We've got diversity all the way from grandma to high school aged people. We have race, we've got multiracial, white, black, backdale tests. Uh, women talk to each other throughout the film, and it's often not about men. The women are agentic; they move the plot forward, and so the ratio of like horrific display to commentary is anything gratuitous. In a sense of like, there was no real. Interestingly, to me, as much sexuality as there was in the film, there was no real nudity, and I really don't think there was any objectification of bodies. If anything, there was
4: a little bit of. Wasn't it... did we see one of the men topless, shirtless? Sure he took off his shirt it was the mom in the car. <sighs>
1: You okay? That still really wasn't... It just wasn't like an objectifying gaze to me. I was not really ever scared. Technically, I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was fabulous. So overall, Laura graded this about somewhere in the low B, probably B range. For me, I would be either... uh, I would love to give an A minus, but I do think that after having talked through twice with with first Andy and Aubrey, and then with you all, Laura and Keenan and Sophie, and still not having a cohesive picture of what's going on, I would drop it from an A minus to a B plus, and that's where I would put it. Having said that, in terms of like the social responsibility of the film, I was apparently the only one who is like thoroughly entertained. <laughs> And in terms of representation, I will just say not just in terms of people, but as I said before, the fact that they showed throughout aspects of particularly women's sexuality that I may not have ever seen before in any sort of mainstream film, or even not mainstream film, anything non adult rated or explicitly meant to be pornographic or uh, sexually explicit material. I mean, I very much appreciated that. Any, Any film that will raise my eyebrows when it comes to what they're portraying. I that's pushing limits that I in this case was impressed by I was surprised when they went to mom making out with the kid. I thought she was like, him, whatever, that's all fine. But when it when it went to like, okay, we're we're gonna hook up, I was I was like, wow, okay, they, they did that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I don't know if you all wanna offer us a a grain. So what did you
3: go with?
4: Like a. I'm gonna go with B plus. B plus, Okay. I
3: can't do it. Um, I think if you asked me to grade it like right after I saw it, I'd probably give it like a C or something. <laughs> but after talking yeah. through it, I'd probably give it like a B plus. Because I really didn't. Now, after talking through it and trying to connect things, it makes me want to watch it again. Same. And I think just right after watching it, I didn't really understand the social responsibility parts that they had definitely representation but um
4: after talking about it i'd probably give it like a b plus
2: i'd probably agree with laura more and give it like a
4: b or a low b just because i liked it
2: and it had the whole picture there but leaving i'm still just feeling okay about it and don't feel grand on the whole message and i don't feel satisfied after watching it Like I do with other movies. And I don't know if I said that as I was talking through. This
4: is
1: at the top, but we added it later, which is the emotional experience of the film matters, which is what I hear you Mm -hmm. commenting on, Sophie. uh, And like Laura said, if you're bored, if you're not, if you don't come away feeling some sort of...
4: Yeah.
1: Again, compared to Assassination Nation, where at least we came away like, oh, this is awesome. We're energized. Like, let's go, go to a rally to protest yeah. <laughs> Trump or Kavanaugh or somebody. It is, there's a lot to be said for that versus this, where it's like, well, yeah. maybe the world is slightly less bleak and depressing than we thought it was, but it's still a
4: miserable place to be for a young woman.
2: Yeah, and we're still like, <laughs> even though we're like talking about all of it, we're, I feel like the whole thing of this is that they're still just like we are all so unsure, at least us three, about you as much, but just Unsure about what you we were talking about. Like, you could go so many different ways with inferring the different parts of the movie. And it's just kind of what we agreed upon
4: that we talked about. Right. Do you want to grade it? Do I want to grade it? In terms of social responsibility? Social responsibility. Okay. Who's eyes? audience? General, like, sure. the way that it's displayed. Perhaps, maybe in A-, like, there's still. Things it could be improved on for how people are receiving it but I think in terms of their effort and their intention and give it like an A I think they did a really good job of bringing up boundaries and questioning them and analyzing them and doing what they did. Um, I think they had intention about what they wanted to do with those boundaries and did it how they wanted it to in terms of like, if somebody was just going to go see a bar and and they had no idea about the reason people make horror films or, like, put certain things in horror films. I feel like they might judge it much differently than how someone would, like, critically thinking about it. And so, like, the masturbation scene, that's not going to make sense to everybody.
2: But it definitely does
4: does bring up boundaries. That is a horror That would make me think horror. That one scene was, like, very for me. But other than that, I don't think it was a long movie. I appreciate that. I think accessibility matters.
1: That's a concern within, particularly third wave, like intersectional feminism is, are you speaking in ways that people who really need to be able to understand this can? Not that those people are dumb, but just are you using, you know, are you using 50 cent words that you don't need to? Are you overly complicating things? And so accessibility to knowledge I think is a totally valid critique. And yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up.
4: Like these boundaries exist because some people don't aren't ready to cross up on yet, they're ready to bring that up and the boundary is reinforced by those people who aren't looking at it with an open lens or an open mind like we are right now. We love this stuff.
1: But right and but you, like But what I am like, saying is you don't, don't want to be preaching to the, the choir. You want it to be a film that some. Um, not particularly feminist, dude could go in and still they might get something out of it. Like,
4: I don't know, well, necessarily I don't really get something out of it. I but feel like if you're going into a movie, you should,
1: I mean, get something out of it in terms of gender and sexuality.
4: Well, like, I don't, I don't know if you necessarily have to be like looking for that going into it. I feel like, no, no, no I'm saying no, no, precisely no, no. somebody like, who isn't. No, I know, I mean, okay. like, I feel like. They did a good job, like what we we're talking about in class today, like the strong, strong sense of critical thinking, just kind of making them look at their beliefs and other beliefs and realize it on their own instead of just continuing to reinforce
2: reinforce, reinforce
4: their ideas. So if they were like, "That was whack and weird, and I don't like that," that's just gonna reinforce their ideas about that boundary that's still so up, and it's just gonna reinforce the boundary, but. Like, I I think that they did a really good job with most things and yeah. bringing those up and breaking them down. I was just, I wanted to bring up the point that some people might, it might reinforce that boundary for them, certain aspects yeah. of it. That's why I wouldn't give it an a plus. Final thoughts? Talking
2: through movies afterwards makes it so much more fun to watch
4: movies. Yeah. No <laughs> kidding.
2: <laughs> That's great. Yeah. 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 It's really fun to hear people's ideas about everything because we all watch the same thing, but we all think about it differently and it's just interesting how it all comes together when more than one thought is put together. Yeah. And like parts that I forgot
4: about or parts that other people like really remember and vice versa. I think it's funny you
2: have a rubric
4: for how you grade Yeah,
2: that's funny. Because you're a teacher. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, totally. This This is, like, more than, like, a class rubric. Like, we don't have rubrics in class. We do have rubrics
1: in class. I give you all rubrics.
2: Do you really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: my God. No, I'm good. Oh, my God. I feel feel unjustly impugned for not...
4: Kind of thoughts. I'm surprised that they got away with this this movie and I'm super pleased with it and we're all super pleased with it and I'm sure a ton of other people will be without um, a straight white couple. A straight white couple that you can root for that's like super attractive. I'm going to be honest, I pick movies half the time based on the cast because I want to watch hot people. And this movie, this movie I, I didn't, look it, up. I didn't I, look it up ahead of time, but they got away with this whole movie without... Making a character their only purpose to be a sex symbol, I guess.
1: I'm probably gonna cut this for my own. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. this is
4: great. I actually, actually really liked resolved. this. Yeah, me too. We should do it again. Good. It. Will you invite yeah. us again?
1: Yeah, I I, I do want to say. You
4: no know hard feelings if you don't publish yeah. this. Like, yeah, that was kind of like a jump on all over the place. You yeah, we would no, do better next cool. time Podcast, oh, But, okay. like, I, I feel like we get race. it now. I feel like yeah, we Yeah, it, it was super fun. It was cool. Yeah.
1: For me, I think there's real value in not having it all figured out and, like, letting people hear,
4: uh... Your thought process? Yeah, like and, like, how you figure things
1: out and, like, how...
4: Oh, I think so, too. ...you go
1: into and... Listening
4: to you guys put together thoughts sparks thoughts in me. Mm-hmm. I think that's how it's supposed to be. That's for me and you guys,
1: and I guess for me as a teacher, I think it's, it's important for students, so and the same would apply here, not that listeners are students, but whoever, people like you said, who don't go in thinking about all this and and necessarily with an intention of analysis like I do, can hear, okay, here's some ways that you approach a film. It doesn't all have to be figured out. Sometimes you might try some ideas and they don't hang together once you start looking at it. Sometimes, you, like you said, you get new ones. I, I think all that part of the process is important, so I appreciate And there's always the power of editing. So if there's something really that you want me to cut or that I I will cut, uh, we'll do that. And so, you know, I appreciate you all. I appreciate you all trusting enough to dive in, not knowing necessarily how it would go. And I also have to say, I really, so what I would like to do is I would like to thank our guests, Aubrey and Andy, who joined us today. I very much appreciate they are students at University of Colorado and particularly for this film that dealt with young women's experiences and reality and social understanding and sexuality, I found it very valuable and helpful to have you all here and willing to talk about how it met you. Because for me, as hard as I may work, there's always going to be a a divide that I'm trying to reach across.
4: And I found it really helpful
1: to have you all there to, to try and see if you could
4: bridge that
1: yeah so i want to thank our guests sophie and keenan for joining in participating they were brave enough to jump in with laura and i who have been doing this for quite some time and work through ideas and thoughts on a film that definitely had some challenges and we very much appreciate that hope you all enjoyed it too Thank you, everyone, for listening. This episode is quite a challenge to put together. We, we hope you still enjoyed it. And our next episode will be Come to Daddy if you would like to watch that before, beforehand so you can be ready to dive right into our episode. We appreciate you listening. And horror films are our collective nightmares. I think some of what may have helped was me playing outtakes of just how much I cut from <laughs> from things. But for me I find value in the in talking things through, like you said. And what I've found is that I have like ideas, but until I start talking it out, I really can't sort it out or it helps me very much to sort it out. That's what writing a paper used to help me do, but now for whatever reason I the time in particular, to do this instead of sit down and try and pull this all together is is a whole different investment and this is a lot more fun. <laughs> 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 I'm good. I'm glad. I hope y'all had fun. Sometimes it comes together. Sometimes it doesn't. That's all fine. And uh, I think hopefully, particularly for students or whoever is out there, to hear that it doesn't always come together
4: and it's okay to just
1: talk through ideas and come up with something or whatever is valuable to know. Is it helpful to see that this isn't always so clean and organized to speak up in class or in?
2: How do you mean? Like, do you think this will encourage me to speak up more in
1: class? Yeah. What got you to speak up in your class today?
2: Because I knew exactly what I was talking about. We had talked about it previously. And so it was easier to just raise my hand and make a point that we had been talking about in class. Because I I didn't fear embarrassment. Because I wasn't sitting there collecting my thoughts as the teacher was calling on me. Like, I just knew I could read off my notes.
3: Yeah. There's no pressure to... I feel like when I raise my hand, I need to know, like, this this isn't a dumb thing to say. You know, there's pressure to feel
4: like I need to say something smart and valuable.
2: Especially in a sociology class, because it's so much about what you think compared to what everyone else thinks. Okay. Yeah. But then in this, it's like you get the
3: smart and valuable thing through
1: talking about it, so. So my question is how do we bring that to class? I mean, I don't expect you to have an answer. Speaking of of, uh, examples of talking things through. But for me, that's a
2: constant struggle as a teacher. Yeah. Which I think I love our classroom environment because it's not – we just – Talk about what we're doing. Like I don't. It sounds so simple, but we literally just talk about what we read about, and it's kind of like this where we try to dig into it. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe just because it's the beginning of the semester, I feel like our class so far there are a few people in it that make it easier to talk in. So the quicker you warm up to like your peers and stuff, the easier it is to well, jump I'm in the conversation. But yeah, like the way we do it makes it easy because it is just like conversation. We're set up
4: in like the circle, and
3: yeah, I it's feel like, like people,
4: a small good like, size.
3: Yeah, I think I think people think of it as like
4: you're asking questions, and we should
3: have the specific answer. But it's you know more of a discussion. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a discussion are just hesitant because of that. Because like, well, I don't have the answer, but that's not the point,
1: obviously. Yes, because yeah. I struggle with that too. Because I don't always have the answer. Either. Like I have ideas, or even if I think I have the answer, sometimes you all say stuff. I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. During class,
2: I think the last class, I don't, I don't know their names, but there was a boy and a girl talking about the Doritos, and they were just like whispering to each other. And you were like, what did you say? And they were just like, nothing. Like nothing's important about what I just said. But it was like what everyone else is talking about. And like, yes, like anything you think that can contribute. Just like sparks anything else up, mm-hmm. and just say what's on your mind, and it can help everyone else.
1: No, but let me tell you what. When you that because that's Macintosh's this week, right? I think so. When you so I we I was like, okay, this is coming up, and Kian was like, oh, Macintosh, that's a great reading. How cool we could read that again? <laughs> you know, something like that. I was like, I love that one. <laughs> and you could just see,
0: oh
1: or I God. could just see, like the first year students, like. She's actually excited about reading something? <laughs> like, what sort of alien creature is this person? Yeah. Like, yeah. And
3: yeah, they probably just feel like, Am I supposed to feel like that? Like,
1: I mean, I think you did more to help all those kids in that moment than I will do it all semester because it was like, you can actually be interested in reading something and learning something, mm-hmm. and you don't have to be whatever the culture is at c u of like i got
2: definitely yeah it's so hard it's like oh my god yeah oh my god yeah. the attitude yeah. about like wanting to like churn and like, yeah. just like going to class is so negative it is it, it, yeah. so it's, negative it's
1: obstacles it's like you said it's a checklist to get out of the way it's not like what you're supposed to be doing I just I was so I could just see the shock when people's faces. So. so I will just say I I know that wasn't like intentional but it's interesting one I love having you all in class because it's so helpful in so many ways and because there are
2: like yeah. there's like us group of sophomores that all know each other like that's so annoying Which I, I would hate coming so... into that as a freshman honestly me too
1: You want to say something? Yes.
5: <laughs> can you hear me? We're so loud. This
1: time. I feel like we are loud. That's really? probably the microphone difference. I
2: feel like. I think. I feel
5: like Laura sounded loud. Yay! <laughs> Yay. <laughs> this is the first time I've been loud. Just I'm okay with that. Actually.
1: We can hear street noise. It's amazing what the microphones will pick up. Uh, but we can cut that down. What you two?
5: Two. You're going to turn me down? Relative to you, that doesn't seem right.
1: I mean, I'm still lower. (laughs) I must
5: have over-enunciated or something. That's
4: over-projected. That's that's silliness, isn't it?
1: All right, everybody, let's do a... Because I feel like...
5: I... Would talk? Is that what you're saying? I feel like you're still loud.
2: Am I? Hello. I feel like I'm kind of loud. Am I loud or not? Or...
1: What? All right, we'll go with that. Hopefully, that's not a disaster. I have a problem being, being like
5: overly projecting, so I'm super glad that I'm like the lowest <laughs> one. Do you on want to listen?
1: No. no,
5: I don't. <laughs> no. <laughs> I trust you.
1: What's mom's name? Lynn. What's Carolyn's name? Mom's Carolyn's mom's name. So the idea is, uh, and I guess I'll say this. I should pull my own device uh, advice am talking. Thanks for putting this, over. Yeah. We're doing Tale Two Sisters tomorrow. Yes. Dope. going you go? Can you watch it? Yet? Nope. That's
5: what I'm doing tonight. Uh-huh. Nice to meet you all. Sorry to nice dust really. I've got a class I, I have to did. get to at six. So no, oh, you right teach?
2: Now. No, no, no. Um, exercise class. Oh.
1: Okay. Yeah. See y'all
2: Uh video. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I love it. She's so nice.
1: Yeah, she is. I'm gonna wrap up and then we'll immediately go back and do a introduction. So if you all want to think about how you want to introduce yourselves and Andrew- <laughs> it.
2: <Shit. laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then
1: um, Andy and Aubrey So and like the rubric we developed this, I mean this came after
2: Hi, my name is Sophie. I am and
1: then, can you cut it? Oh, yeah. Okay, all the all, all the time. <laughs> do, you, do you want to plug anything? Not
2: really. Okay, I, no.
1: Okay, I don't think so. Okay, <laughs> you cannot find Sophie online. <laughs> if, you feedback, Sophie. You a, if you have feedback, you want me to. feedback, you want to pass along to her. By all means, send it to us, and, and we'll. Make sure she gets it.